You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, you're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and you can find us at dandevall.com. This is a reminder, this is the home of this podcast where you can also get really cool merchandise. Just scroll down on the page to find all kinds of goodies. And of course, please consider becoming a podcast patron. Now, in addition to dandevall.com, you can also visit us at overcomeraccelerated.com. This is our educational platform for survivors of mind control, satanic ritual abuse, and heavy trauma backgrounds. When you sign up for this opportunity, you will get access to over a hundred hours of on-demand courses that will be available to you all at the same time, all for one monthly fee. And in addition to the online courses, you'll also get the opportunity to be part of weekly live courses, which includes live demonstration with yours truly and weekly book studies with other folks that are overcoming trauma backgrounds and, and learning about how to recover quickly and effectively. We have found that knowledge truly is power. And so overcomeraccelerated.com allows you to uh, engage with this platform by either one, bringing your own coach, two, joining the program, and as part of it, receiving a coach to do one-on-one sessions with you, or three, just joining for live courses only for those that have made their way through much of the online on-demand content and simply want the community. With that said, we're going to get right into today's podcast. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those are your announcements. Oh, this is so good. So, ah, y'all feeling better after lunch? How many of you ate too much? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to preach extra hard just to keep you guys up. So, here's the deal. Um, uh, 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 Towards the end of the last session, I realized... (laughs) very quickly that I was now stepping into territory that was uh, being contested. It was contested territory. It was contested territory. As I'm moving towards the revelation of who God is and your validity in him, your oneness with him, and your identity as sons in Christ before you were born and now in Christ on this side of the veil, there was a, a massive, like spiritually, it's like, wow, walking against a very strong wind. And I said, we need to take a lunch break. Which was necessary 
But here's the deal. Now that we're back and energized, we have some devil butt kicking to do. We have to do it. We have to do it. How, and I'm just going to take a brief survey. How many of you enjoy being the devil's entertainment? <laughs> Demons just sitting there with a water balloon like. <laughs> You're like, ouch, my feelings. You know. <laughs> The, 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 the impact of the orphan spirit on this nation is hectic. I mean, it is, it is an iniquity in the land. It, it, it's, it goes beyond people. It actually goes right into the land. It's, it's something, and, and, and for those that are born on this continent, for the, it, it's just, it, it's like you either overcome it or you don't, but it's there. And there are some that overcome, and, 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 and otherwise... It's like in the background. It's just like, wow, you know, um, that validation, that, 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 that true embrace of, 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 of sonship, of, 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 of valuing self is, is just challenged. Uh, and then on the back of that, you have abandonment. You have abandonment and you have, you have fear of greatness. It's fear of greatness. It's like, all right, everybody, get in line. Yes, sir. You know, yep, yep. You know, and, and, and it's just like these people, this line up at the rank and file. It's like, get in line. I will do it. Take a jab. Yes, sir. You know, take this government. But, yep, I'll do it. You know, but anybody getting out of line? Hey, get back in line. You know, self-policing. It's, and, 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 and towards obedience. That's why they made, I think... You know, the powers of darkness know that. And that's why they're experimenting on this nation with New World Order protocols. They're like, yeah, let's just use them as a test case because they're likely to cower. How does that make you feel? Do you like, like, like being thought of as a likely candidate for criminal activity because you'll probably take it. Does anybody like that? Are you guys like upset? Yeah, I'm kind of upset. So I'm just trying to gauge how far we should take this. I mean, because in one sense, we could just say, let's, let's deal with this for ourselves, and in another sense, we could say, well, what if we as the ecclesia enter into an intercession for the land? I just don't know if y'all are ready. I just, I just don't know if y'all are ready. I, I don't know. Trying to gauge it, I'm like, well, yeah, I want to. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
We're, we're, <laughs> there we go. Let, we're we're going to start with us. We're going to start with us. When, as the conference goes along, we'll, we'll go after some. We will get there, um, especially tomorrow. We're going to get there. But, but I think for now, we're just going to start with ourselves. And, and I'm going to invite everybody to stand to their feet because we're, we're going to say, you know what? We're done. We're done with fear of greatness. We're done with this spirit of abandonment and this orphan spirit. Like, we are done. We're just sick and tired of being robbed and plundered of, of, of our scroll and our purpose by this nonsense. God put us here for a reason. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to embrace that. And the devil needs to understand that he needs to respect the sons of God. I'm going to pray over you. As we go through this prayer, here's what we're going to do. It's not that long. This particular prayer, we, 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 I have prayers we could go for an hour. This one's going to be more like five or six minutes. <laughs> Don't test me. And then at the end, um, we are going to uh, let off a shout just so all the devils heard us. Just to be sure they heard uh, we're going to let off a shout, and then we are going to learn about sonship. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the awesome nature of what you are doing in the earth, for the way, Lord God, that you are lifting us up in revelation of who we are, in revelation of what we are here to do. We wrap this environment in your government and presence and wall of fire. And Lord God, we thank you that you reign on high, that you are the judge of the whole earth, that deliverance is the children's bread. And right now, Father God, we also take authority in the atmosphere and Find unnecessary manifestation in the name of Jesus. Lord God, our freedom processes through indecency and in order and cleanly in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that angels are present to police the environment and to escort these garbage spirits out as necessary. Father in heaven, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We renounce the orphan spirit, the fear of greatness, and the spirit of abandonment, and serve them bills of divorce. We pull up the hidden documents detailing every covenant, contract, agreement, certificate, oath, and vow, and command that they be stamped with the blood of Jesus, nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ, and burned with holy consuming fire. Do you agree? Yeah.
So in the name of Jesus, we pray that your heavenly host would be put on assignment to place every part belonging to us that is loyal to the spirit of abandonment, fear of greatness, and the orphan spirit on temporary lockdown and speak that they must be escorted before the throne of the Father in heaven to receive ministry. Do you agree? So we now deed the territory in us and our bloodlines belonging to the orphan spirit, the spirit of abandonment, and the fear of greatness over to the kingdom of God and invite you, King Jesus, to take the throne and to rule over this territory with your rod of iron. Do you agree? In the name of Jesus, we bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point belonging to the orphan spirit, the spirit of abandonment, and the fear of greatness, their realms and their inheritances, and place the blood of Jesus on every portal access point. We seal them with the Holy Spirit and declare they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated. Do you agree? So we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut ourselves free from the spirit of abandonment, the orphan spirit, and the fear of greatness, their realms and their inheritances in Jesus' name. Do you agree? And Father God, we administrate the return of every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, roots, favors, seed, genetic code, and any other form of counterfeit inheritance in Jesus' name. We refuse it and sever ourselves from it and choose to receive our inheritance in Jesus Christ and renounce all spirit children related to the orphan spirit, the fear of greatness, the spirit of abandonment, and the fear of rejection and undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. We command their judgment, the purging of the realms they occupy by judgment through living water and reclaim and receive every part of us that has been imprisoned by these entities and spirits or in their realms. Do you agree? We appeal to justice and pray that the orphan spirit, the spirit of abandonment, the fear of greatness and the fear of rejection would now reap a hundredfold return for the evil that has been sown against us, our ancestors, and all whom we represent in the form of justice and judgment and wrath, arrows and lightning, coals of fire, the broom of destruction, the threshing sledge, 
carpet bombing runs by angelic forces with heavenly craft, the plundering by the armies of heaven in Jesus' name. Do you agree? We take authority over every evil spirit on the inside of us and around us that has been operating under the authority of the orphan spirit, the spirit of abandonment, fear of greatness, and fear of rejection. We declare you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out for judgment to the abyss in the name of Jesus. Do you agree? Lastly, we pray that every spiritual object, tattoo, device, label, jewel, amulet, necklace, earring, rock, crown, ring, bracelet, charm, garment, scepter, marker, power source, tracking device, system, grid, or branding placed in or around any part of us to anchor in the orphan spirit, the, the, the fear of abandonment, Lord God, this is the abandonment, the fear of greatness, the fear of rejection would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. We close every door, known and unknown, seen and unseen, and call them completely sealed in Jesus' name and render the entire confession established everywhere Jehovah is... Do you agree? Let's give the Lord a shout. Hey! Come on. Come on. Y'all doing all right? You like that? Oh, man. We're going to have a good time. You can sit down now. Isn't God good? Anyone feel a little better? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, when I, when I left off, I was explaining to you Um, as we really began to run into a bit of spiritual buffeting and resistance. Like, we have to understand, number one, that God is a triune God. Three three persons, one God. Three persons, one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Person means one having their own mind. That means the Father has a mind, the Son has a mind, the Spirit has a mind. They can talk to each other. In fact, the Bible says, who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. This identifies the fact that God the Father has a mind, God the Son has a mind. We get the mind of Christ, right? Um, they're, 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 so, so when you look, look at heavenly encounters, you see John, he, has, he sees the throne of God, the Father sitting on the throne, and Jesus is standing at his right hand. Right? Because there's a spatial distinction between persons that have their own mind. God is one. And so God is three persons, one God. And then through Jesus makes a way for us to enter into oneness with him. Right? So it's three persons, one God, plus the sons that are one with him. So you have this whole conglomerate of oneness that is the body of Christ, which is exacting the redemptive purposes of God to the creation. 
It feels a little easier to say that now. That's our job. That's our role. And that's our identity. Say, that's my identity. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so then we get into some of the, 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 the compound names of God. These come back to the names of Yehovah or Jehovah. yod heh vav um, I say that yod heh vav as God in the Old Testament is a name that actually references all three persons of the Godhead at the same time. Is, is, Ye, is Yehovah the Father or the Son? I say yes. I just say yes. Why? Because the first revelation of Yehovah God is Genesis 2-4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Lord God is Yehovah Elohim. So Genesis 1-1 Elohim is Yehovah Elohim. Genesis 2-4. Yehovah Elohim. Lord God. So we understand that the creator God is Lord God and this is Godhead. It's, it's, it's just like, is Yehovah Jesus or is it is is it the Father? Well, yes. Yes. So, so, so you see actually in, in the book of Genesis, um, when, when, when God is coming in to judge uh, the Tower of Babel, when God is coming in to judge the Tower of Babel, and I, I don't have the uh, uh, chapter in front of me, but it basically says, the Lord, Yehovah, came down to see the city and the tower and the people that the people were building. And Yehovah, and there it is, Genesis 11. The Lord, Yehovah, said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Come, let us. Let us. So you have Yehovah, saying, let us. Which means Yehovah is a plural. Ah, right there in the word. So, so, so you have the Godhead plurality of majesty, then you have through Jesus that the sons become one with the, with the Godhead bodily. So Jesus is the head, where the body. You know, when you have a head and you have a body, you have one. <laughs> it's not like two, right? So we get this thing with sonship where we see ourselves as orphans way outside of where God is and who God is. The right perspective is we are where God is. That Jesus so owns who we are in every aspect of what we are. He has plugged us into his own body so there is nothing that we feel that he doesn't. It is that intimate, that close, that personal, that validating. Your relationship with God is validated because God idealized you. He created you as life in himself for the purpose of being a recipient of love that he held in him for you at your creation. He literally created you for the purpose of pouring love out on you and receiving the love that you would pour back out on him. By love, for love, from love. That's your creation. And so now we're going to talk about B'nai Elohim, which means sons of God, because this is, this, this is a qualification for heavenly office, okay? Um, now, now, here's the thing, right? As we begin to journey a, a discussion on sons of God, we actually see the term B'nai Elohim. B'nai means sons, Ben, son, right? So whenever you see like Ben, like in the Bible, it always means son of so, uh, and, and, and so when you say B'nai Elohim, it is son of creator God. And so they start showing up in Genesis 6, and interestingly enough, they're the bad guys, okay? Which, um, in the minds of some theologians, has 
basically characterized the term sons of God in the Old Testament as always dealing with bad guys. So there's no connection between the revelation of being a son of God in the Old Testament context and being a son of God in the New Testament con context. This is like bad guys, good guys, right? Fallen angels, men. And there's a complete discrepancy between conversations. It's just like most theologians that I've read that have, you know, began to study this out, just draw this firm line and they say, Phew! you know, but most of them would also argue that they don't, they, they, one, there's not a distinction between body, soul, and spirit. Number two, there's certainly not an understanding of pre-Adamic existence of the spirit. There's just a lot of missing pieces and building blocks. But we're going to take a look at this developing theme through the lens of what we've been discussing so we can even further qualify your identity as members of the body of Christ with a redemptive purpose to the creation. Is that cool? Now, here's the thing. It starts off in Genesis 6 and verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, uh, uh, saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for them, all of whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for indeed he's flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and bore children to them, those were Nephilim. <laughs> okay, so, so, so here's the deal, right? You have giants, they're hybrids in the earth. This begins the, 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 from all biblical and, 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 and uh, other textual studies, like a, a, a situation where men's bloodlines are being heavily tampered with by beings that, you know, their, their origin is not this planet, per se, right? And, 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 if we uh, lean into some other extra-biblical texts, we conclude that it was Mount Hermon that these fallen angels, which there are uh, 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 200, according to the text of 1 Enoch, descend on Mount Hermon, and they bind themselves together with what they call mutual imprecations, and then they begin to go after these women. And they are also teaching men these uh, arts, art, art, arts of astrology, how to do metallurgy, make weapons, make war. The, the, the angels begin to give humans technology, and they begin to take wives at the same time, and they use their wives to make children, and those children are not humans. They are not humans at all. They're hybrid children, and a lot of them come out giants. And so, so these are the bad guys, right? And so people have basically said, okay, sons of God equals bad guys. But there's a, a, a deeper theme that we're going to explore today around this concept because as we, you know, as we continue to go through biblical references to this term, B'nai Elohim, sons of God, we land in Job 1 and verse 6, the next mention of this, this kind of a thing going on, and it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. One of the things you notice about the sons of God is that they can present themselves before the Lord. They can actually go right up into the heavenly sphere and be there before God. Interestingly enough, Satan's also there among them. Because before Satan fell, guess what? He served. He was a son of God. His origin was in Christ, just like every other angel and every other human. All things were made by him and for him. Lucifer included, created being, right? So, so but the sons of God, by by identity have access to this realm. So they go before the Lord and Satan comes among them. The same thing happens in Job 2 and verse 1. 
Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. So, so the, the sons of God have a lot of uh, activities in the heavenly sphere. Now, in the book of Job 38 and verse 7, you see another reference to sons of God. It says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, the Bnei Elohim shouted for joy. This passage happens in the context of God describing when he laid the foundations of the earth. This is, this is what the context of this passage is. And so as he's working on the earth, he has the morning stars and the sons of God shouting for joy in that context. Well, here's the really crazy thing, right? When you begin to meet your spirit, connect with your spirit, the human spirit, which I explained to you, was created in Christ. Long before we were conceived, we, we actually received our assignment from God as a pre-existing being with a long track record and history. That's part of the reason why some of us got our assignments because of the track record and the history our spirit had in the heavens before our time to come into the earth was what was given. And so <clears throat> one of the things I want to tell you is this particular generation happens to be one of the scariest generations that has ever been on the earth at a single point in time ever. Ever. Never has there been uh, so many threats on the earth at the exact same time. So Let you guys think about that for a minute. So, the sons of God. But when you begin to connect to the reality that uh, these sons of God that are there watching the Lord lay the foundation of the earth include your spirit, my spirit, us, right? Pre-existing in Christ. Then everything begins to bend because you're like, wait a minute, I was a son of God from my creation. I was a son of God from my creation. So what happens? When we take the assignment in the earth, separation occurs because we all then enter a realm called Adam. And we have to be redeemed out of the realm of Adam into the realm of Christ. But then we are restored to an original relationship of sonship. Now, the Bible says in Hosea 1 and verse 10, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured or numbered, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there it shall be said to them, You are sons of the living God. Interestingly, as we get to the book of Hosea, there is a clear transition on the subject of sons of God from heavenly beings to men. Physical humans, right? In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there it shall be said to them, you are sons of the living God. What does that mean? That means that the title sons of God is not intended to be strictly applied only to heavenly beings that do not have an earthly existence. That term does not get anchored only to the cosmic heavenly sphere. In an Old Testament context, it grafts into a conversation on humankind. 
So the sons of God are a collection of spirit beings that find their origin in Jesus Christ, which is everyone and everything. Interestingly enough, right? So, so it's actually a larger conversation happening around sons of God than you may have known. Now, this takes us to a conversation on, on Psalm 82, which is a very, very uh, red flag passage. Most people just don't go there. You're going to step on a landmine, blow yourself up. You're going to step on a landmine, blow yourself up. But I'm going to do my best to try to navigate this with as much uh, uh, accuracy as possible, not, not, not blow anyone up here. But here's what happens in Psalm 82. It is, it is the council of Elohim. They call it the heavenly divine council. Here's what it says in Psalm 82 in verse 1. Uh, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges amongst the gods. So here's where we really learn, oh, you know, Elohim is not only applied to creator God, that is in Yehovah Elohim. Elohim also is applied in a general sense to other spirit beings. Other spirit beings. So you have in this context, creator God standing in a congregation, in a council setting with other heavenly beings, also called Elohim. So every biblical scholar will acknowledge that Elohim can refer to God or a company of what they would call angelic hosts, or we would just call them heavenly beings, because the truth is... (laughs) Amongst the choirs of the angelic beings are heavenly beings that will receive an earthly assignment at any given point in time. We're all created in Christ. Where do you think you were before you got assigned to be born in 1972 or 1983 or 19, whatever it is? You were with God in the heavenlies. Your spirit was there. What, what, what do you think you were doing? Have you ever considered the eons of history that go behind the moment that you got a soul? Yeah, it's vast and massive. So when we talk about groups and activities of spirit beings and all this stuff on the other side of the veil, what we have to realize is, yeah, there are angels, and yeah, there are spirit beings that will receive a physical body at some point in history. So now, when we take a look at this passage, we uh, find in in Psalm 82 and verse 6, we're going to jump down and then I'm going to go back. We're going to look at the whole passage. Um, Psalm 82 verse 6 says, I said you are gods, all of you are children of the Most High. Hmm, interesting, right? So that's that I said you are gods passage that Jesus quotes that everybody stumbles on, right? This is the landmine that you trip on. So the the Pharisees say, how can you call yourself the son of God? And Jesus says, is it not written? I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. This offends everyone. The Pharisees wanted to shoot Jesus and most Christians want to shoot me. All right, but, but, but this is sonship, right? We, we, That's why we had to rebuke the spirit first because maybe I would get shot after this. Ah! So here's the thing. Let's read the whole passage and, and, and then we're going to um, say something very, very inflammatory. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges amongst the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. 
right? So these heavenly beings are supposed to be doing certain things that they are not doing, right? So, so, so there's a bit of a rebuke, right? Some things are supposed to be happening on the other side of the veil that are not happening. God's not particularly happy about it. Then he said, in verse 6, I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. What? What? And I'm going to say something highly inflammatory. This suggests that some of these beings either currently had or would eventually have an earthly experience leading to death like men. Just saying, right? Verse 8. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain. Now, now in... Uh, the Bible, and let's just, let's just jump into uh, John chapter 10 and verse 33. It says, the Jews answered him, this is Jesus, the Jews answered him saying, for, for a, a good work we do not stone, but you for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself a god. Then Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods. Elohim. That's the term. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him. But he escaped out of their hand. Ah, all this offense. Here's the thing. The origin of the Elohim being addressed in Psalm 82 is Yehovah Elohim, the creator God. All of these Elohim have the same father. They all have the same father. Our father, your father, God the father, through Jesus Christ. They all have the same. So, so, so what happens is sonship is a title, an office, and an identity that foremost refers to heavenly beings and a heavenly company that come from the Father. Sonship is a title, an office and an identity that foremost refers to heavenly beings and a heavenly company that comes from the Father. This title and this office qualifies these beings for service to God in the heavenly realms. It qualifies them to work with the elements of creation. And here's what happens. When Jesus dies, he disarms the principalities and powers. He opens the door for those of us having a human experience to operate as sons of God through adoption and to rule and reign with him as brothers. Let me explain. John 1 and verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right 
to be the children of God, those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What the heck is going on? Romans 8, 16 through 18 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What's the whole sake of uh, 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 Psalm 82 driving towards? Well, the final phrase explains that creator God Elohim has an agenda to inherit all nations on the back of the judgment of the ungodly sons. So Psalm 82 and verse 8 says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you will inherit all nations. Who's being inherited? The sons are being inherited as the nations. The entire passage is about God's agenda to judge evil and inherit us. So, so what we have to understand is if sonship is a title and office, right, if it's a qualification for activity in the heavenly sphere, what we realize is that that doesn't change. When we step into sonship as an identity in Christ, coming out of the realm that is Adam, fallen humanity, and into the realm that is Christ, a life-giving spirit, the last Adam, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek who has opened the gate wide to bring forth a family, a bloodline of king priests, then we realize that our identity as sonship qualifies us for office, calling, and execution of function in the heavenly sphere and the earth sphere at the same time. Which means that the true revelation is that the human experience is a convergence of operational capacity that is unreal in the amount of power it has to change everything. I remember when I was having a conversation with my spirit years ago and he told me, I could never have known power untold until the human experience. Because we are simultaneously anchored to the earth and anchored to the heavens, operating out of an identity as a son of God for a vapor of time. This is our moment. There is not before or after the kind of capacity for cosmic change and shifts as exists while we walk the earth in human bodies as the sons of God. And this whole thing about God, like, the, like God with a little g, people trip over this because they're like, oh, you know, witchcraft, you have to be your own personal God and worship yourself. Uh, look, God created Adam in his image. He looked just like God so he could worship God. That's our job. But if a dog gives birth to a dog, it is a dog. If a cat gives birth to a cat, it is a 
cat. And if Elohim gives birth to a child, it is Elohim. That's what it says. That's what it is. So we have sonship, validation, identity, office, and right. Rights to the heavenly sphere. Praise God for the deliverance. Now, um, um, the sentience of creation. Now, now we got to go there. Sentience of creation. What does sentience mean? It means the ability to have an emotional experience. So I use two terms often. Sentience and consciousness. Now, sentience refers to the awareness of emotional response to stimuli, right? Consciousness is, I am, I exist, I feel. I am, I exist, I feel. That's consciousness. So sentience is, you can't have sentience if you do not have consciousness, right? And so... When I say the sentience of creation, with that, what I'm saying is that creation has feelings and therefore consciousness. And therefore consciousness, and for that reason can be engaged on the level of its sentience and consciousness. All of creation groans because it has feelings. <laughs> So we're going to start with heavens. I have a um, fun relationship with heavens, Shemaim. I have had a lot of conversations with Shemaim, and, and, and Shemaim has helped me a lot. And uh, I'm going to explain why. But, but let's start here, because we're going to talk about the sentience of creation. We're starting with Shemaim, heavens. Heavens comes from the Hebrew word Shemaim, spelled Shin Mem Yod Mem. Shin Mem Yod Mem. Shin in the Hebrew means uh, uh, a sharp, press, eat, or two. Uh, mem means chaos, mighty blood. It actually has as its uh, picture in the paleo, water. Uh, yod means work, throw, or worship. And... Um, as we begin to get into an exploration of Shemaim, which is heavens, uh, it, it is impossible to unpack this concept and not have a radical reality shift. Like literally nothing in reality processes the same once you get here. Can't go backwards. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 8, 18 through 21 as a reminder. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the... Oh, yeah. Because you've been hidden. You've been hidden behind your feelings, issues, pride, contempt, and orphan spirits. But now, now we're waiting for the revealing. We won't be hidden forever. For the earnest expectation of the creation um, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of God. No, that's not right. Creation is not being delivered into the glorious liberty of God. That's not what it says. What does it say? Oh, who's that? Someone say, yeah, yes, yeah, us. So now begins our exploration, and we're going right back to our favorite passage, Genesis 1-1. <laughs> we just can't get out. First chapter, first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At the outset of creation, according to Genesis 1, you see heavens and earth. Two realms, two persons. Western thinking has long explored these concepts as physical components of creation. And when we say physical components, we assume something. We assume that physical components of creation have no consciousness. Oh, it's just a rock. It's just wood. It's just a plant. It's just a piece of, you know, it's just grass. It's just gravel. So the assumption is it's just heavens. It's just earth. It's inanimate. No consciousness, no feelings. But I am going to introduce you to a different way to consider everything. I am going to invite you to consider that the heavens and the earth are realms that are persons with sentience. They are governments because the word for kingdom... <clears throat> In Hebrew is Malkut, and it simultaneously means realm. So when the Bible references the realm of Jehoshaphat or the realm of Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, it's actually Malkut. It means kingdom, which is a government. So all realms are self-governing or governing structures that have consciousness, um, all realms are governments or kingdoms. And we exist on an earth that is surrounded by heavens. Interestingly enough, their entanglement is established through Vav, as I've explained to you already. Interestingly enough, their entanglement exists through water. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 6 through 10, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. So heaven and earth have waters in them. Those waters had an original source point and then were separated. Shemaim exists in Genesis 1.1, but then after God divides the waters, he creates a firmament which is called the Rakiah in Hebrew. 
And then he calls Rakiah Shemaim as well. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to explain something in a second, but one of the ways that you can understand Shemaim uh, is that it comes from an unused root meaning lofty. Shem or Sha and Maim means waters. So one way to look at the heavens are uh, lofty waters. That's what the word means. Another way to interpret Shemaim is that Sheen, the letter, means press and two or teeth. It actually, in the Hebrew, looks like teeth. So when you break up the word into Sheen, Maim, you would get two waters or pressed waters being the meaning of the name Shemaim. Either way, you do have this concept of heavens and this concept of earth and this concept of waters running through them and being in them. Rakia, which is the firmament, means expanse. And so when God divides the waters, the expanse has waters above and waters below or two waters. And so Shemaim can also be looked at as pressed between two waters when it refers to the Rakia. And how many of you know that waters happen to be one of the elementals? Now, this is going to drive somewhere super duper cool, but first I'm going to tell you this. Psalm 148 in verse 4 says, Praise him, you heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. So it must be noted that as we worked our way through Genesis 1, 6 through 10, you were seeing two elementals in view, earth and water. Shemaim has a multitude of waters in him. And I use the word him because in the Hebrew, Shemaim is male. It's a male gendered word. Interestingly enough, Eretz, earth, is a female gendered word. Heavens is a man. Earth is a woman. Interestingly enough, even the heavenly bodies have a better grasp on gender than half of our population does. And they don't need a biologist to figure it out. I've, now, to me, this is, just, this is just interesting. I'm like, maybe we need your help and not the other way around. How do you define a woman? Uh, are you a biologist? And I actually am. I have a, my, my undergrad in microbiology, if that counts. So, so look, look. Um, this is what the Bible says in Jeremiah 10 and verse 13. When he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. You can never separate the concept of heavens from the concept of waters. And he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Interestingly enough, you have wind as an elemental. It has a source, and that source is the treasuries of God. It actually isn't just a concept related to um, moving densities in the atmosphere of earth. Like, there are actual treasuries in the heavenly sphere where wind comes because God is the author of the elemental kingdoms. Yeah, that's what it says. That's what it says. So, so we're looking at Shemaim working towards this concept of the sentience of creation, but coming like, like to a reality that uh, the elementals are completely woven in the way that the, the mechanics of the creation are laid out. Now, Shemaim has multiple levels of existence. 
Okay? So in Deuteronomy 10 and 14, you see this interesting thing go on where it says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. So you have Shemaim and the highest Shemaim. Different layers and levels. This opens up a conversation on what I would call the three heavens based in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So you have this reference to the uh, third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2. And so we kind of break it down like this. The third heavens becomes paradise in the realm of God and his throne. The second heavens become the spiritual realm generally containing angels of God, the demonic realm, human agencies that are at work in the spirit and including, I would say, outer space. And then you have a, a conversation on the first heavens, which would be the earth sphere, everything under earth's atmosphere, everything under the rakiah. Now, with that said, it really helps us to get a grasp on how the spirit world works because we understand that, look, we're having a physical experience here, but right behind a veil, there's a whole other reality. But the reality that's right on the other side of this veil is not necessarily the reality of the full alignment with the kingdom of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Right on the other side, we have demons, we have fallen angels, we have sentient entities that come out of labs built by Nazis in Antarctica. <clears throat> and we, um, <clears throat> here's the interesting thing. 2 Peter 3 and verse 5 says, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Right? So what do we see? Both heaven and earth are entangled with water or maim. Elements are part of the design of God. Elementals are not by nature the enemy of God and man at all. And what does this have to do with anything? Well, I'm going to tell you something. The work of Jesus Christ, are you ready for this? Unites heaven and earth through his ministry. So, how did he illustrate this so we would understand? Let me explain. He was baptized in water. So, heaven and earth are entangled by water. Jesus Christ comes, Son of God, Son of Man. He lives 30 years and it's time for his ministry to be activated. What is he going to do? He is going to bring the alignment between heaven and earth by shattering the power of death, taking the keys of hell and death and introducing people to the reality of the government of heaven that sits in the highest heavens. So what does he do first? He submits himself under the ministry of John the Baptist and he goes under the water. The baptism was the medium through which heaven and earth began to converge upon his ministry. <laughs> so Matthew three sixteen and 17 says, when he had been baptized, 
baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So let me take this one step further. As a son qualified by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who has become a component of his body, you are part of the uniting factor of heaven and earth by identity. Every redemptive process of God to the creation is being processed through the body of Christ because it was decided that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things whether in heaven or on earth. I can feel the room is finally starting to open up. It's like, oh, wow, we're, oh, this is actually isn't so bad over here. Oh, man. The sentience of creation. Now we understand. Now we understand what Jesus is actually trying to do. It's not all about your personal problems. Get out of the selfish, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy concept. You know, it's so funny. My son learned how to say give me. You know how he says it? Gimme, gimme. But he's one. How old are you? Moving forward, we understand that the thrust of our identity as the sons of God sets us apart as redemptive agents to the creation. But how do we interact with the creation? Well, the next revelation comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Ready for this? Here it is. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 26. I call, Deuteronomy 4, 26. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. Let, let, let me explain something to you about what. Now, when you have a court of law, and of course, Rachel is going to have a whole lot more to say about this than I do, you have a difference, I know this much, between evidence and witnesses. Right? You have a difference between evidence and witnesses. Murder case. What's the evidence? This is the gun. Now, the gun doesn't necessarily have to give a testimony. But the witness, the witness will have to give a testimony. They're going to testify. They must speak. And in order to speak, they must have consciousness. You ever seen someone go up on the witness stand that was dead? No. The body is the evidence. <laughs> the witness has to have consciousness. So how can God call heaven and earth as witnesses if they have no 
consciousness. He cannot. Which means a witness will provide a subjective experience based on their perspective of what happened. They have consciousness, they have sentience, they have personhood, they have a mind, knowledge, understanding. All of these terms apply to heavens and earth. So on one verse, I have just proven to you that creation is sentient. This is incredibly important to understand. Why? Because when we begin to understand the ultimate victory that the body of Christ has over Antichrist, that ultimate victory is really transacting through a cosmic court case and a ruling made in favor of the saints. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High God. And it came time for the saints to possess the kingdom. You know, the, the thing is, uh, if, if we skip down in Daniel chapter 7 to verse 26, it says, but the court, verse 26, the court shall be seated. And they shall take away his dominion to consume it and destroy it forever. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms of the whole heaven, under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. So, so what we see is, on this road to the absolute collapse of the Antichrist and Beast Kingdom, there is a process of justice that is playing out, and it has a climax. The injured parties that will weigh in on this case are not limited to humans. Because all of creation groans, all of creation has a case of injustice. And so in the process of executing the justice of the Lord as his representatives and and redemptive agents to the creation, we have to advocate for the creation and its case against the powers of darkness and the beast kingdom. This is a puzzle that has eluded the body of Christ for many generations. We haven't understood that. A lot of us that received an assignment into a very dark, perverted, defiled bloodline that would subject us to a lot of trauma came in as part of the plan of heaven to then bring the injustice that is resident in that bloodline as a case into the courts of heaven against the powers of darkness behind it to smash the agendas of evil through the justice protocols of God. 
है बट इट्स नॉट जस्ट आर सफरिंग ओनली प्लांट किंगडम है सफर्ड एनिमल किंगडम है सफर्ड एलिमेंटल किंगडम है सफर्ड द मून है सफर्ड द सन है सफर्ड कॉन्स्टलेशंस है सफर्ड All of these elements of the creation have been defiled. They've been defiled. And so, in order to step into a ministry of advocacy for the creation as sons of God, we have to first embrace the fact that creation has sentience. It has a consciousness and feelings about what it has suffered, just like you. <laughs> So, so I'm having a conversation with Shemaim one day, right? Because, and, and you know how I do it? You, know, you want to know how I have a conversation with Shemaim? The same exact way I do everything else. Let me explain. Put on some worship music, enter the spirit, praise the Lord. Now I'm in the spirit. God's talking to me. Next thing I know, because I'm in the spirit, other things are talking to me too. Hello. <laughs> Oh, Shemaim, how are you? Fantastic. How are you, Dandeval? <laughs> What do you want me to know? <laughs> just, just write it down. I, it's so interesting because, you know, it, 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 it's not like weird stuff. Like I literally engage with the spirit realm, whether it's cloud of witnesses, angels, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, heavens, earth, Mars. I mean, I've talked to a lot of things and they talk to me and, and I just go right through the gate of, of, of worship, engage with the spirit. You know, that's what I was explaining to you all like uh, 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 the Tuesday night that I minister. I said, look, the, 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 the gate to the spiritual encounter, the other side of the veil is, is, is understanding how to shift consciousness into the human spirit. I mean, it's literally Revelation chapter one. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He wasn't in the soul. He wasn't in the soul. He, he gear shifted into his spirit man and the spirit world opened up because he was engaging it from that aspect of his design. It's that easy. See, if you don't know that you're a heavenly being having an earthly experience, you don't know that you could gear shift into the consciousness of the part of you that's designed to engage in that world. But when you do, you do. And so I'm just sitting there and to write through worship. Shemayim's talking to me. This is what he said. Bring me in as a witness to every court case. I want to testify. I know the truth. I have seen all that's been done in me. I am in him and you are in him and in him you are now spanning through me. That's what he said. Actually, he said a whole lot more than that, but that's what I'm going to tell you, he said. So, there are certain things I just like, I literally cannot publicly release right now because it just blows things up. But, but, but on another day, we were having a conversation heavens and and this is what 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 heaven said daniel my beloved i actually was called the beloved of of the heavens it's really interesting so kind of cool <laughs> yeah i like you too said i've waited a long time for this which is my season of liberation I have many things to tell you regarding matters of time and space, dimension and reality. 
You are beginning to see it, though, the cosmic template upon which I exist. The Lord has spread me out like a curtain. I am laid atop something that is ever so important. The grids that run through me are extensive and highly complex, and learning to utilize them leads to what some would consider cosmic power. Um, we've had a lot of conversations. Uh, Shemayim has explained a lot of things to me, which is very helpful. Now, I'm going to give you a few scriptures to ground this out because I am not certifiably crazy. But here's what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 1. Give ear Shemaim. You know what that means? Shemaim can listen. (laughs) And hear, O earth. That means earth can listen. Why? Because they are conscious. They have sentience. Yes. This is the same Bible you've been reading for decades. Shemaim can rejoice. Look at this. First Chronicles 16 and verse 31. First Chronicles. Let the heavens, Shemaim, rejoice. Now, how have you ever seen a dead body in a casket rejoice? No. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. See, see, so not only is the heavens rejoicing, Eretz, be glad. How can earth be glad if it has no emotional capacity? It is sentient. In fact, let the sea roar. And all its fullness. And this is Psalm 96, verse 11. Yep. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Shemaim declares the glory of God. Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare, declare. You know what it sounds like when someone declares something? I declare. They have to have a voice to do it. They have to have a voice. And then Rakiah, the firmament, shows. Shows. Displays. Let me show you this bottle of water. Shows. His handiwork. Hmm. The heavens can sing better than me, which is not that hard. Isaiah 44 and verse 23. Sing Shemaim. Can you imagine? Sing Shemaim. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Right there. Right there in the word. And then it goes on. For the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of Eretz. 
And then here's another one. Break forth in the singing, oh, you mountains. <laughs> so, so here's what happens as you work your way through the creation. You have, I call them macro realms and micro realms, right? Because you start out with the most expanded version of a thing. So the whole planet, Eretz, is called Eretz Earth. But then if you shrink it down, you can say, well, let's just deal with the lower parts of the earth. That has a consciousness and sentience that is actually independent in a sense of the consciousness of the whole. And then the mountains are another micro realm that have a sentience that is independent of the whole. So you could actually go to one mountain range and say, well, how are you? And that mountain range is totally smashed, defiled, and upset because of all the blood sacrifices that happen in that mountain range. You go to another mountain range where there is no blood sacrifice, and that mountain actually speaks a different testimony. But it's all in the earth. <laughs> but, then, but, see, but, see, but see, it doesn't say break forth into singing you mountains only. Then it says, oh forest and every tree in it. Now we are in the tree or the wood elemental kingdom. <laughs> Heavens has a sentience and with him, within heavens, within him are elementals. We call them heavenly elementals. Earth has a sentience. Within her are elementals. We call them earthly elementals. And with that, we are really ready to get to the elemental kingdoms tonight. Praise the Lord. Here we go. You can give the Lord a hand clap. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.